Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Something to Scream About with Distorted Views. Now, today, if you are watching already, you will notice that I am currently solo with a spot free on the couch. Um, as Cam- oh, here he is, actually. Cam was running a tiny bit late because <laughs> the little boy. Hey, hello. Ma- Oh, look at his get-up. So if you're not seeing this on video, you'll be missing out completely because... Really good shirt. Uh, installs net, not really, but... Cody, <laughs> Cody is decked out in a Distorted View shirt, looking cute as ever in his little boots. Um, so... Oh, hello, little fella. Hello. He's giving me a big smile. He knows this podcast is going to be an absolute uh, one for the books again, doesn't he? Say hello. <laughs> <laughs> two months old. <laughs> two months old and doing well. Oh, he looks beautiful. I love the outfit. I know, very good, isn't it? That's wonderful. Okay. That's enough star time for you. <laughs> enough, enough time in the spotlight. You wait, he'll be a superstar before you know it. <laughs> um, but today, yes, we have an incredible episode uh, coming up. One of uh, our probably favorite uh, bands currently. Uh, is North Lane and um, welcome, Hello. Cam. Hello. We are lucky enough to be able to chat today with Nick Pedersen, uh, the drummer of North Lane, and we're going to deep dive a little bit into all things uh, kind of timing, practice, mindset, performance, all of these things that I myself have been learning and gaining some insight from Nick in our lessons and mentoring sessions. So it's been a pleasure to be working with him and it's a pleasure to have him on. So we'll probably jump into that in a little bit. But first of all, let's do some housekeeping. Housekeeping. I just say that every time. Do you know what's really (laughs) funny is like, because I was in New Zealand on the weekend and we were at this hotel, checked out in the morning and there was a lady doing housekeeping. (laughs) Did she do the housekeeping? (laughs) she, She went... Housekeeping. Yes, I do it every time. Every time. Every time. Honestly, I laughed out loud so hard. It was funny as. Are we doing a podcast? Yeah. I was like, so anyway, housekeeping is um, Cam. Oh, shit. Okay, so I don't know what we're in. Like, what do we want to tell the people? Because there's a lot going on, but I don't know what's what's public information. Um, Enough came out. Enough came out um, where we've got a potential second guitarist who's come into the band um not doing press photos and all that stuff yet because you know as you know members come and go with uh uh, commitments and timing and um whether they fit the project or not but um this new guy's looking uh looking good man so um yeah, we're just doing, we're writing some new music with dual guitars. So, two different guitars playing two different things at the same time just to give the songs more depth and um, layers. Yeah, so, it really opens yeah, man. up. It opens up our uh, ability to, to go back and bring some of the stuff that we were originally trying to do and also include some, yeah, new dual guitar stuff yep. moving forward. So, I that's can do more vocals too. That's wicked. Yes. Um, but yeah, so enough is out. Go stream enough if you haven't already. Go check out the visuals that Cam has been smashing. Um, We're making some dope ones behind the scenes, ladies and gentlemen. It is going to be some cool stuff towards the end of the year. Some new visuals. Yeah, so we're really working on trying to, um, I guess, put a visual identity towards this whole project and summarize it up in 
both, you know, visuals, logos, text, photos, music, all of the above that creates, yeah, creates this whole cohesive brand. Um, We're trying to sort of really put that together at the moment and come up with something that looks uh, schmicko. So you're doing super well on that so far, Cam. Thanks, man. (laughs) Um, Other than that, uh, not much has been sort of happening. We've been working hard on our instruments, practicing, playing, trying to get as beastly as possible to be on stage very, very soon. So new things coming in terms of music and uh, visuals and all that, but you'll see that in due course. Other than that... Come watch us live. Yeah, well, yeah, come watch us live. But I was going (laughs) to... I'll hand us over to uh, the wonderful interview with Nick Pedersen. So enjoy, and I hope you take away something really cool. Something to scream about! All right, so we have the wonderful Nick Pedersen joining us on today's show. How are you going, bro? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. Um, I think I speak for, you know, Cam and myself um, that... You know, you guys as North Lane and to have a representative of you guys, especially for me being biased as a drummer, it's really awesome <laughs> to to have you on. So I really appreciate your time. Thank you, bro. No, um, thank you. Today, I want to go a little bit of a deep dive into the things that make you tick as a musician and the things that um, really kind of make up your thought process in terms of how you attack being a drummer and being a musician and part of the band Northlane. So first of all, I want to, I want to break it up into two parts. I want to sort of talk about maybe the practice side of things and, and your in, you know, as you are in your little home studio and the things that you tend to work on and find work for you. And then how that translates into performance and playing the big shows and things like this. So first of all, um, in terms of practice, I know that, in our lessons, we've gone through a few things, but how do you think um, guys should effectively practice and make sure that they're really sticking to what's important in the practice room? Yeah, it's it's a it's a good question. It's a really good question. Um, and I think I think it changes uh, per person, but I think there's also like a general sort of idea that you can copy and paste on. Uh, that sort of works for, for 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 most people that I've seen anyway. Um, I think, like, I mean, I have a specific way in which I practice if I'm like learning f- new stuff for Northlane, and it's very sort of geared towards that environment specifically, considering how Northlane sort of writes. Um, and f- I mean, from my experience with that, that's kind of been obviously a massive trial and error for me and over the years of going through different records um, I've kind of honed in further and further into sort of what works for me and I've been able lucky enough to to be able to sort of try and apply that onto other people and see how it works outside of myself um, and for the most part I think it's uh, really effective um, and I guess I mean I guess I can go from from there, just like how yeah, I would please. go about <clears throat> practicing um, myself and sort of how I how seriously I take it and how I approach it all. Um, and and now, granted, this isn't this isn't like this might not work for for everyone. This is definitely geared towards like myself in terms uh, in terms of like how I learn. I'm a very visual learner. Um, now I think everyone has different ways of of, of learning, and um, figuring this out is always really handy because then you can you can sort of lean into that. And, and personally, um, I find 
yeah, reading is a, is a really easy way for me to sort of pick up on stuff. And when I talk about reading, I mean like reading sheet music essentially. Um, but the process initially starts off with, like I said, like Northland is very specific in how in in terms of how we write and 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 sort of go about um, those early phases of writing because John. Uh, the guitarist in Northline, Northline, he's like the core songwriter, um, and he will send parts that are like, um, you know, he already has like uh, MIDI drums written over his riffs, so he already, there's already like a core idea there um, initially. Um, now, you know, for me, essentially, it's like sort of learning what this core idea is, and then being able to. Um, turn it into something that I see as my own, um, essentially. Uh, and sometimes that, you know, that takes like drastic changes to what's already there, sometimes small changes. Um, and that's more to do with like sort of understanding what the song, the song needs itself. But initially for me, I'll um, take these demos and this can apply to like any sort of, if you're, you know, anyone learning a song or anything, um, essentially the first thing I do is sort of write out the core ideas onto sheet music. You know, I'm also aware that not everyone has the skills of doing something like this. You know, this is not, um, you have to learn how to do something like this. A valuable skill um, though, right? <laughs> I think so. I think so. It's like yeah. a dying art as well, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Just because like, you know, people are capable of sort of middying out parts so easy these days. And um, yeah, so personally for me like that that's like the first phase of learning something it's like just writing writing out the idea the core idea it doesn't have to be perfectly um written out in terms of like the whole song structure it can just be like you know the, the verse idea the chorus idea bridge um so on and so forth um and that that's first step i think is really important because it allows me or anyone else to sort of look at the part and see where all the hits are landing in relation to one another. So it kind of gives a visual map essentially. And like mm-hmm. the, the process of like trying to write it out is like the, the first step of like understanding what's going on for me personally. Now I've also seen that a lot of people who don't know how to read music, they, 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 they're generally more inclined to like listening to stuff and, and working off what they're hearing, um, which is also a cool way to do it. Uh, personally, that's a slower way for me, um, but I've some people are really in tune with that um, that sort of method, and just being able to listen to a part and then sort of play it. Um, I find I find um, more errors in that sort of yeah. that sort of process. It's not as refined, not as detailed, um, but still doesn't mean you can't get to the end in, in sort of. Um, the finish line, I guess. Um, yeah. But personally, I try and learn, I try and, you know, build from a, a core foundation. So I have like the core idea down. Essentially, I'm just trying to turn it into muscle memory. So once I've written it out, I'll then, um, I've got some writing here. I've been working on some stuff lately. Yeah, so we can see. Quick screenshots, screenshots. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's, that's something I've been working on and um, I haven't yet played that on the kit I've just sat there and, and written it out um the next step for me um is actually going to the kit and just not even playing it to the song just 
setting like a really low BPM and sort of just starting to build muscle memory off these core ideas. Um, and by doing it like that, then I'm just learning the drum part on its own. There is no relation to the music at this point. I might have the, you know, the riff sort of playing in my head. Um, but essentially I'm just listening to the part itself. Um, and just getting that, turning that into muscle memory. Um, and obviously I'll start slow with the BPM and slowly move up towards the tempo of the actual song. Um, I'll actually probably even end up going faster than the song as well, um, probably up to 10 BPM faster so that when I pull it back again, it feels a little bit easier. Yeah, feels good, trick. nice and comfortable, yeah. Yeah, it's a good trick to learn. Um, but like I said, that's very you know specific towards North Lane stuff for me. Um, but at that point, you know, once I feel like I've got it up to the tempo of the song, that's when I feel like I can start to get um, creative with it because I should, by that point it should be muscle memory and I shouldn't be think like I should, the parts should just be sort of coming out of me. Um, I'm not, so, you know, I'm sort of just letting it flow. Yeah. Um, then I can sort of I have like more room to think about like what I can do on top, what accents I can add in. Or ghost notes or fills and stuff, and that's that's when I sort of allow myself to get creative with it. That's really cool. So you're you're basically yeah following the the basic rhythmic concept given to you by John and mm-hmm. the the riff that he's written to to complement, similar to what happens uh, in our process. Cam will write something yeah, very similar. <laughs> MIDI drums, yeah. send me an idea, and then I'm yep. basically trying to figure out whether it's playable and how to orchestrate it best and things like yep. that. So. So exactly. that, cool. yeah, yeah, that seems to, to work really own. well for me. And, um, and what I liked about what you said is, you know, you're kind of keeping the core idea so that you develop the muscle memory for that, that, uh, solid foundation, and then mm-hmm. you can be creative around that. So yeah. going into that muscle memory and stuff, I remember you mentioning something about, um, sleep and how that kind of works with your muscle memory and your effective chunks of practice and things to to do that so if if there's a part that that people find difficult whether it's physically difficult or whatever it is and they're coming up to it in their practice every time you come up to this section in the song you feel oh this is like the the hard part how do you how do you best (laughs) yeah how do you best work around that muscle memory and you know incorporating in the sleep and things like that yeah, cool, cool, cool. I'm glad you brought this up because um, I think it's a really interesting sort of concept um, that I've sort of lent into over the last couple of years myself. So um, obviously, like, you know, when you're practicing something, whatever it might be, the idea of repetition comes into play. You know, learning yeah. anything, you want to repeat it and you want to do it consistently. Um, now, I think, I think a lot of people think when they have to learn something, they've got to be practicing hours and hours each day to do so, um, which can be daunting and um, which can also sort of take the fun out of it a little bit, right? You can, mm. um, it can turn it into a, a chore uh, to, to some extent. Uh, I've definitely felt like that before. Um, but <clears throat> never fear. There's, <laughs> there's, there's, <laughs> there's, there's, there's other ways to do this. Uh, it doesn't take like monotonous practice and, this is some people would say there's a cop out, but I honestly feel like it works really well. Um, and this is to do with the sleep thing. So obviously when you're trying to learn something, you want to do it. Ideally you want to do it every day. And I think what most people think is doing it every day for multiple hours. I don't believe that anymore. Um, 
I, th- I honestly think it's more so just uh, reiterating the idea in your head every day, um, whether that be five minutes, half an hour, hour, two hours, that's up to you. But I honestly think at least even just doing it five minutes a day is going to is going to make a huge difference. So say you're, um, say you're learning, trying to learn something and it's too fast for you, right? <clears throat> so what I do in this scenario is um, obviously work with a, with a metronome and I'll start off in a comfortable tempo, 90, 100 BPM. Um, and I'll sit on that for, you know, a minute or two and then I'll bump it up 5 BPM, sit on that for another minute or two or five minutes, whatever, bump it up again. Um, by doing this, you're obviously like five BPM increments, almost like unnoticeable. Um, so it's a really good, like 10 BPM is definitely noticeable. Five is only just noticeable. So it's a really good sort of leap to sort of, um, help you push your tempo. Now you, you might have an end goal of 150 BPM on your first day. You sit there for hours trying to get it to that tempo and you can't, you know, you're doing this sort of approach where you're bumping up the, the BPM. You might find yourself getting to 120 and you can't play it solid. You can't play it perfectly for a minute. You keep making little mistakes here and there. That's okay. That's perfectly fine, right? At that point, what I do is I have like a little journal and I'll write down, I got to 120 BPM this section today. If you go back to it again tomorrow and just do the same process, it might take you five or 10 minutes just sitting on starting again back at like 90 or 100 and then bumping up five BPM at a time. Within a day or two, you're going to be five or 10 BPM faster than that first day where you found yourself struggling at 120. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. And um, now this also obviously like the daily repetition is just like, you know, you just, you're just looking at this every day and getting it, you know, solidified in your head. But I also learned from watching this documentary, I can't quote which documentary it is because I can't remember the name of it, but I found it really interesting, which is about sleep and learning. Um, and I'll try and, I'll try and cut this, this story sh- as short as possible, but basically what they, what these scientists did, um, to, you know, they, they were experimenting on rats um, to figure out Different, different, different ideas to do with sleep. And during the day, they had these rats going through a maze and the maze was the same maze every time they did it. And there was some cheese at the end of it. Um, they also had like some sort of brain scanner on this rat's head or mouse or whatever it was. Um, and he could sort of see uh, the, the, the brain triggering when it was turning left and when it was turning right. Um, essentially, the rat learnt the, the, learnt the path of this mate. He's got really good at it. Whatever it was, left, left, right, left, right. Um, and it would do it throughout the day. And it, and it would sort of light up different areas of the brain to, depending on whether it was turning left or right. What they noticed while the rat was sleeping, they kept this brain scanner on, it was actually firing through this map of left, right, right, left, right, whatever it was as it was sleeping, but like three, four times faster than how it was doing it throughout the day. Um, then they noticed the next day, the rat was faster at going through the maze off the bat. Essentially what they discovered is that just by having a good night's sleep, essentially you can get like up to 30% better at something that you're working on the day before, just cause your brain is going through the process of repeating what you were doing again. 
So if you can trust that you're going to do this every day, whether it be five minutes or an hour or two hours and have a good night's sleep and come back to it the next day, I promise that you'll feel better at it. Yeah. Right. It's like, it's weird how it works and it hundred percent works. I've tested on myself and other people. Um, and it fully works. So yeah, once, I can, it's, it's I can back that trust. myself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy. It's interesting. It's conscious or something. It's crazy. It's like you're thinking yeah. about it and then envisioning it and then it's becoming true. Yeah. Steve, um, Absolutely. Actually, yeah. I heard of um, one of the recent podcasts from Andrew Huberman. Um, I don't know if you, you know of him, but um, he's a neuroscientist and did a exact podcast on this recently about really? the sleep and the learning patterns. I think you'd find it super interesting. Oh, um, Yeah. So, so he was talking about this and he was talking that there's actually effects on the second and third night as well. They're just not as profound. And if say, for example, the first night you don't get quality sleep or, you know, something happens, you still get benefits on that second and third night onwards after oh. doing that repetition. But you're right. It compounds if you do it daily Yes. Um, and then he said there's a there's a, a specific more optimal window in terms of time, like you were suggesting before, not doing it for hours and hours and hours, having yeah. a certain amount of really concentrated, focused attention on it for 20 minutes, half an hour, 40 minutes or something like this, mm-hmm. and then leave it and move on to something else. Um, cool. I might have to send that to you because it's, it's well worth a listen. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. But yeah, so so that that sort of thing plays into the muscle memory and then, you know, you can build it up and build it up and get faster and then all of a sudden you're getting to a point where, yeah, you can play all of these things and that kind of stuff. So um, Absolutely. Yeah, I wanted to touch on that because I know that you find that really fascinating, as do I. Mm-hmm. Um, going back a little bit just before you were talking about um, the writing process and then figuring out and practicing your parts on the drums, allowing yourself to be creative at a certain point. Um, a lot of your drum beats and um, North Lane riffs, I guess, to a certain extent, have this kind of odd time feel or some form of maybe metric modulation in there. Um just tell me a little bit briefly about that kind of process. Is that coming from the riff itself? Is this a, a team arrangement or are you allowing yourself to try and throw in a bit of your, you know, drumming kind of knowledge and putting some odd timings or feels in there? <laughs> a bit of flavor. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I think honestly, most for the most part, it comes from John. Um, and... It's from personally, I find it uh, really interesting working with John because I, I find I'm a very sort of theoretical musician. I uh, grew up being taught by multiple different teachers, obviously, know how to read and write, and um, also have learned all the boundaries that come with learning music, right? Which is an interesting concept in itself because there shouldn't really be any. Yeah. Um, but working with someone like John, who essentially, you know, is a clean slate when it comes to like music. He he didn't really get a lot of uh, guidance. He sort of just learned, you know, learn it, taught himself how to how to play guitar and 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 to write. And he's because of that, you know, he's a very free writer, and he and he hasn't learnt these boundaries that so I think a lot of <laughs> a lot of a lot of musicians have, right? Um, and especially to do with the drums. So, like, obviously he, he just programs drums and he does it off what sounds good to him. So he's not thinking, like, 
what we might be thinking, which yeah, is like human oh, Put the back beat on. <laughs> yeah, the yeah, like, yeah, yeah, right. Like, like, yeah. where's that snare landing? Or like, oh, I can't really go there because of my setup. Or yeah, oh, that's not. You know, that doesn't. That wouldn't Limitless. feel nice. N- yeah, none of that. None of that's in his head. It's just about what sounds good. Um, and obviously, it's my job to sort of figure out how to how to make it playable and, and, and comfortable. Yeah. Um, but because of that sort of boundless approach he comes up with these really interesting polyrhythms that I don't think a lot of the time he's even really noticing <laughs> what's going on uh, it's theoretically, um, which is why I think it works really well because it's not overthought. It's just, it's just based on like what feels good to him. Um, and then when I sit there and listen to it, I'm like, holy fuck, dude, like this is like a five over four polyrhythm, like, you know, <laughs> oh, you've done like heart machine. Well, you did that. You met, you metrically modulated that at the back there in that breakdown. He's like, he's what like, the huh? fuck are you talking about? Yeah. And so that's, that's just brilliance in my mind because um, m- most musicians would have to think deeply about doing something like that and like approach it probably with the thought in mind, you know, with it. the perceived idea initially, yeah, um, and then trying to sort of create it, whereas he's just sort of letting it happen. So that's why I feel like it feels very smooth and sometimes a lot of people are questioning what time signatures we're playing in and, and a lot of the time it's just in 4-4. It might just be a polyrhythm or metric modulation um, that makes it feel different. Um, or it's just like random accents, you know, and yeah. that's and the, and the pattern might loop over a certain amount of bars, so it feels like it's almost random. Um, yeah. Would you and, then play around with your parts um, to sort of like you? So you might get given, say, for example, a part that John's written, and it might be slightly either unplayable or unnatural or whatever, do you then yeah. just try and bring in a couple of elements that give it that predictability and consistency so that your general listener can sort of follow along to, to a beat? Is that or a pulse? Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. So when I, when I then take it and, and do my thing with it and sort of break it down, I am then sort of recognising what's going on. I'm like mapping it out in my head. I'm like, okay, this is this part's three of four polyrhythm that's happening in a lot of North Lane songs. Yeah. Uh, John naturally does that very, very often. Um, and that, you know, just by recognising what sort of accent pattern is happening, that will already immediately give me an idea of like how I can go about playing it. Um, obviously, I want everything to feel really good when I'm playing it. Like that's a big lesson that I learned over the years of um, being in North Lane is that, parts should feel good over sounding good and that's probably not the best way to say it but um what i mean by feel good is 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 more so like how it's played on the drum kit if if it feels nice to play if it's easy to sort of get get this part around the kit whether it be a fill or a beat or something um the easier it is to sort of play the more feel you can give it and the more uh confidence you can have playing it Um, the more technical it is then, you know, the harder it is to, to nail every time you, you play it live. Um, and I know many musicians would understand this and we kind of touched on it before um, where, you know, you might come up, you might create like this speed bump in your set where there's this big fill or there's this one section that's really fast 
Tense and up. it becomes like a mental speed bump, right? Where you go like every time you play it, you're like, oh, and here's that song with that bloody part. And yeah. you kind of pr- predict it coming. And, you know, you're like, you might race through this fill every time. and Breaks the flow you, state almost. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and, and it adds this pressure, right? Um, and the part might be really cool and technical and whatnot. It might really tick the boxes for all the music nerds out there. But if you end up stumbling over it every time, or even if you don't, but it creates like anxiety within yourself, to me, that's, that's not helping, helping you at all. And, and there's yeah. always different ways to, to write something and, and to sort of adapt something so that it feels good. Um, it can still achieve the same sound as the original idea, but to you, it feels smooth. Um, so that's yeah. kind of like what I'm doing. And obviously, when you have someone like John who's just writing drum parts for how they should sound, obviously there's no thought into like how is this to be played on the drum? Does it feel good to be played? Now, he, he does sort of think about this these days, um, but that's essentially my job to like take the part. Okay, cool. There's three symbols on this one here. Let's, you know, that's, that's <laughs> going to change. Um, this feels really cool, but... I've only got um, two arms, okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, at that go, point, <laughs> yeah, right? Your computer's, yeah, your, your MIDI drums are nailing this feel, but yeah. um, getting, <laughs> getting a human to do it is another problem. And it doesn't oh, mean yeah. that it, it's impossible, but it's more so like yeah. looking out for future you, you know, mm. and thinking, am I going to stumble on this every every night when I play it? Like for instance, for me personally, both our first two records, um, Discoveries and Singularity, you know, were very technical on drums and, and so was, previ- uh, you know, records that came after that. But um, I found that there was, I was trying to flex a lot, trying to prove myself, um, which was cool and, and part of the, the sound, I guess. But um, I did end up creating all of these like speed bumps throughout songs where I'd be like, oh, this bloody, this section is so weird. It's so hard mm. to play tight and... Um, or I keep mucking up this fill. So I learned early on that, you know, and it's, you know, there's another element to that where it's like sort of playing your role in the band. And I think um, a lot of the time people try and serve themselves rather than serve the song. Um, And that also plays into it, right? And once you can sort of understand that you're in a team here together with a band and the song is the, is like yeah. the That's gold the here. and end all about so everything spot on, else. man. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. We it's, talk it's, about it's, We had this conversation insane. yesterday. <laughs> yeah. 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 Every time we have a guest on, like, that's a part of a band that's doing well, they, it's it's so funny how we had Jaden from Steps on, like, a few months ago, a year ago now, and just, they, yeah. just you guys just say all the things that we literally talk about. It's just mind-blowing <laughs> that all of these musicians across the world, like, have the same things that work and click and they just know yeah it's awesome yeah well, i think a lot of people end up falling into like the same issues right where they mm. they try and they try and impress every demographic of music and and that can't be done i think in the end you just got to focus on like what you think is cool and 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 you know that might feel sound selfish or whatnot but like it's authentic then it's, mm. it's if you're writing for yourself and what you like to hear and then um, there's going to be an element of authenticity there that might not be there if you're writing to impress. Yeah. Yeah. I've noticed Anyone you sort of you, you sort of treat um, your practice too, I've noticed from just listening to you talk, 
you kind of treat it, in my opinion, I'm taking it from like a workout almost, like how you were talking yeah. about writing uh, to your strengths and, you know, writing down, oh, yesterday I got to like 120 BPM and you're, you're putting it on paper and that's yeah. the way that you work and you're almost tying the music to your own personal uh, character of how what works specifically for you. And I exactly, think that's yeah. really important too because what that's telling me is that you're not practicing in the dark which I, yep. I use that term a lot with when I'm trying to teach people guitar and stuff. They'll, they practice all the time, but they just practice in the dark. They just, they just sort of go in a random direction. It's like if you're yep. in the ocean, you swim down, you swim left, you swim right, you're going to drown. But if you swim up, you'll reach the surface sort of thing. It's like only one yep. way is going to work really for you, and it's finding that what works. And that's just hearing you speak. It's like you've, you've seemed to found what clicks. And that's that's just wanted to point that out for the viewers and stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And like, obviously, everyone's individual, and everyone will, will learn differently. And one thing might work better for for someone, and not so well for someone else. And it's just a matter of trying and, and trial and error, right? And figuring out like how how what's the best approach for you. Um, obviously, over the years, like I've learned the hard way through things. You know. Um, whether it be like not being prepared enough for the studio or writing parts that are really tricky and hard to hard to nail every time, you know, these kind of things you have to pick up on and, and take note of, I think, and be like, okay, um, that was cool, I guess. It sounds cool on the record, but is it is it is it hindering me every night? Yeah. Well, is that a good thing? No. So no. let's <laughs> and is there other ways to approach that? Like you can write, rewrite anything. But no matter how technical it is, you could still take the core concept and rewrite it in a way that feels better and still achieve the same idea. Um, it's just you just got to think about it, you know. You just got to yeah. be willing to take a different approach. That's right, bro. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that, and I appreciate your insight on that. Um, one thing you touched on before again was, well, I think Cam mentioned it was flow state, and mm -hmm. um, obviously all of this practice, uh, the amalgamation of your muscle memory and you work out every day and, and practicing these parts and, and whatever, getting into the point where you can just sit there and play the part. It comes out naturally. You can focus on more of the groove and the timing, the feel, that kind of stuff. You can get to this position of what we're all referring to as flow state, right? So mm -hmm. um, can you just go into a little bit about how you see kind of like, yeah, a what flow state is a little bit and then how do you go about maintaining that moving from the practice room to the the live show where you know we spoke about last week about how playing as part of the the slipknot tour being a big thing for you guys and and having a lot of nerves and sort of anticipation for a show like this how do you try and keep that flow state from the practice room through to a gig like that yeah no this is interesting topic really because um yeah being I guess essentially like the way I see the flow state is like being purely in that moment right um which I think as musicians we we are in that in that sort of headspace a lot more than maybe the average human being just because playing playing an instrument you have to focus in on what you're doing inherently by doing that puts you in the moment um, where you're not thinking about anything, whether it be from the past or predicting anything for the future. 
Um, you're literally just in that moment thinking about what's happening in that very second. Now, obviously, doing all this practice is like really important to creating the muscle memory because without muscle memory, flow state ain't happening. Um, essentially what you want, you want to, you want to get everything to the point where, yeah, you don't need guide. You don't need your sheet music, um, to be playing it. It's sort of, you just, just, it's just happening. You're playing along to the song and, and all the hits just happen naturally. Um, and obviously that's, from practicing it and, and, and sort of building the muscle memory, knowing, knowing parts and where the parts are going. Um, now, obviously once you're at that point where you're no, no longer thinking about what's happening, it's more so you're like thinking about the timing of things, right? All of a sudden you're not thinking about how to play something. Uh, no, sorry. It's, it's more so you're not thinking about what you're playing. You start to think about how you're playing it. Mm. And I think that's a huge uh, leap, right? Because for the practice, while you're practicing, you're thinking about what you're playing. You're thinking about the the independence or where, what symbol you're going to, where the what what toms you're using. But once you turn into muscle memory, it's it shifts into like all of a sudden, you know, how are you playing this part? Is it are you trying to dr- drop the dynamics down and really sort of build it into this next section, right? And those thoughts can't really happen until the, the muscle memory is there, right? You can, and then you can start to really hone into mm. like manipulating the feel of the parts. Um, and inherently, you know, the flow state just sort of comes with that. Now, a lot of people talk about it and, and think like, how do I get there kind of thing? Um, I'm never like trying to, I'm never thinking that, you know. I'm never thinking oh, I've got to get into the flow state for this. It won't it's happen just otherwise. A, yeah, yeah, totally. It's just a byproduct of being focused on what you're doing. Um, obviously, taking, you know, and obviously practicing something and getting it to the point where you're super comfortable um, and you're able to sort of nail the song every time you play it at home is great, and that's the that's exactly where you want to get it. But then taking that. And putting it into a live presence, all of a sudden, there's this essence of pressure there that wasn't there before. And I guarantee everyone, every musician deals with this same things. The idea of people watching you, the idea of you playing perfectly in, in front of people or you not making mistakes in this part, whatever it is, all of a sudden, this pressure just arises. And that's purely from just playing live and replicating this pressure is really hard. It's really, really yeah. hard. And, and a lot of people can feel like, I was nailing this at rehearsal and then I went, to, went and played it live and I was just like, oh, you know, I sort of fell apart. And I've guaranteed everyone's felt that before. Yeah. Um, and that's really demoralizing, right, because you felt, you felt really confident. I've, I've been practicing this really well. You get to, you know, half an hour before you play, you're like, oh, my God, I'm getting real nervous. It's, you know, there's <laughs> lots of people here or whatever. Uh, or like, oh my, you know, the girl I like is here or the guy yeah. I like here, whatever it is, you know, and all of a sudden your this essence of pre- pressure just gets applied to what you're doing and it can really derail some people. Mm. There is the only way I've found um, to practice within this pressure, right, the only thing that I can find that gets close to it is filming yourself with the intention that you're going to post it online I think it's really important to have yeah. that intention. Whether you do it or not is up to you. But um, by doing that, 
essentially you're creating an environment where it feels like you're being watched. Yeah, uh, I actually I, I've I heard that. a similar thing from uh, Craig Reynolds from Straight from the Path, watching oh, yeah. his, him start live streaming all of his practice sessions. Um, mm-hmm. He he now says that he's playing much better live just from rehearsing on a live stream and just yeah, having people, people watch him. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, totally. I I I believe it. Absolutely believe it. Um, that would be another great way to yes. to you know practice in that environment. Um. But obviously, yeah, taking this to the to the stage is another thing, and, and and playing in front of people is something that you have to learn to do, right? It's not. I mean, there are the there are the, there are the people who just inherently are very natural in a live situation, but I feel like most people are awkward initially, <laughs> yeah. uh, and they have to learn to be comfortable, right, and learn to trust themselves and trust their playing, um, and then they can start to express themselves on stage. Um, once you sort of break that initial weird barrier. Um, now, once you do break that and you sort of get comfortable in your environment and you realize, you know, it's not about them, it's about me. And if I'm comfortable, if I'm in my own world, then hopefully they will feel that energy and they will reciprocate it. And then I can reciprocate it back. And all of a sudden there's this energy in the room yep. um, and you're free to just be pr- expressive in whatever way it might be on top of what playing your instrument. Yeah. Um, and essentially that's when you end up in that sort of flow state and I guarantee you won't be, there won't be a moment where you're like, Oh, I'm in the, Oh, I'm in there. I'm, you know, I'm getting, I'm getting, getting barreled by the flow state. Right I'm now. in the flow um, state guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you, I actually think by the end of the set, you might be like, you know, high five and all your bandmates and then like, think like, I can't happened? remember yep. what just happened. Yeah, I don't remember this specific yep. moment or that moment, and that's when you know I was yeah. getting barreled by the flow state. Yeah, <laughs> that push pull energy as well. Like I love that. Like we were talking about with the crowd, and you know, it, when the music is like it's just coming out of you, and like what you said, if you're thinking about I need to hit the kick, and then the snare, and then the china, it's like if you're just yeah. doing it then you're just expressing yourself and your creativity as well as the guitars, as well as the vocals, all the subtle fry and the false chord and the winding in and out of the notes and the maybe some yodeling type stuff I do with my own yeah. vocals of trying to like make the voice break and all of these cool things. You know, you're just expressing yourself and not trying to be pitch perfect or note yeah. perfect. And just then the crowd, yeah, and the crowd screams and that makes and then they mm. they, you see someone pull a stank face during a breakdown, you're like, yeah, and you fucking <laughs> play yeah, a bit harder yeah. or something, you hit the snare a bit harder, and it's just this constant energy, push, pull, mm. push, pull, push, pull. Yep. So yeah, I love that. I love that. It allows you to, yeah. to work within the other guys in the band and and sort of like bounce off each other with energy. Absolutely. And, stuff, right? Absolutely, and, then, yeah. and then the crowd, uh, I guess, too, if, if you're close enough to be able to see them and your, your drums. Yeah, you yeah. probably can't. On our stages, that, that, I'm yeah. I, can, I can see every single person in the crowd. And if they're uh, not yeah. happy, you know about it. Yeah. It's like, mum, oh. smile. <laughs> please. Um, yeah, please oh. smile, mum. Um, yeah. So if you're... If you're then, you know, you're up on stage and things like this, one of the, one of the things that um, you mentioned with the, you know, you've got a part coming up where you, you might fluff it sometimes or um, as you told me last week, you might see somebody in the crowd and, and they're kind of not looking happy and then all of a sudden you think, why aren't they happy? Are they not enjoying the music? Did I, you know, mess something up? Or like ha- give me an insight into your techniques to bring yourself 
back out of like, okay, I just screwed up that fill. Don't dwell on it. Obviously, you want to keep moving and and this type of thing. But there's all yeah. these things going off. The pyro might go off too close to you, or I don't know. You know, <laughs> loud noises. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. It's a really interesting uh, topic, I think, because obviously, whenever you make a mistake in front of people, it's embarrassing and essentially. You know, I feel like most people end up being their harshest critics and I think this is a good thing if you're your harshest critic, right, and you take it seriously enough to sort of hate that you made a mistake. I think that's a really good thing. Um, if you don't give a shit, then improvement probably won't happen. Won't happen. That, yep. that error will probably happen yep. again. Preach. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, take, you know, taking it seriously and actually... Well, the problem with taking it so seriously is that you actually probably beat yourself up for, for making yeah, those errors. Yeah. And the byproduct of that is that you kind of end up in the same you, – you, you continue playing the song or in, into the next song, but your mind might still be back there thinking, mm. I just – oh, my God. Like, for instance, when we were overseas um, playing in Glasgow, it was a really big show, and – um, we open with a song called Clarity and there's this big fill at the start that goes into like a breakdown essentially. And for whatever reason, I just blanked it and didn't play the fill and then just went straight into the breakdown. And I was just like, okay, that was weird. I don't know why I just didn't play that. <laughs> and, and I really like this fill as well. Um, so, and I just hated myself for it. She's like, you idiot. Why did you know? And then I couldn't move past that. And I think this just happens with most people, right? They just get stuck in, in that same spot and it kind of affects, it kind of ruins the rest of the set. And especially, especially difficult in the first song. Um, essentially, you know, trying to let go is, is the best thing um, to do, obviously. Um, it's easier said than done. Um, personally, I just try and like the, the, I almost feel like the emotions still stay there, but I try and use them to my advantage. So when I get sort of pissed off, I try and really start to push that into my playing a little bit more. Do that as well. Um, it's it's a it's a good way to sort of direct that energy, um, and then and then I try and just think about what I'm playing in that in that moment now. It's actually more so like listening to what I'm playing, if that makes sense. So I'm just sort of listening, and I usually listen to symbols. And I listen to the decay of symbols. And by doing this, it inherently puts me in the moment by just listening and trying to replicate like the and obviously I've got a click track in my ear so I can play that. But if I can make this sound happen perfectly every time, I'm kind of just tricking myself into just thinking about that and not thinking about what's happened before, right? So um, now these are techniques that, you know, I've learned over the years of like trying to put myself either playing um, bang on the beat or behind the beat or like sort of manipula manipulating the feel a little bit by listening to what I'm playing. Um, it's a good good way to sort of play tight as well. Um, it's just uh, obviously this can't happen until you've made something muscle memory. Once again, to go back to that, has yep. to be at that point where it's coming out of you too. So it's more, you know, the difference between like what you're playing and how you're playing again. You're thinking about how how consistent you're hitting this cymbal or this snare drum or kick pattern or whatever. Um, obviously, I'm just I'm going to relate this to drums, the things I know, um, but I'm sure it's going to be copied and pasted for other instruments. Are you hearing that, um, Just real quick? Yeah, um, don't worry about it if it doesn't come through on the thing. It, oh, starts, okay. it started crackling once before and it's all good. It'll fix itself. Okay. Um, okay. Sorry, keep going. <laughs> it's all right. Um, 
where was I? Um, so, yeah, so once we were talking about. No, that's okay. Um, what, what I'll do. <laughs> no, that's okay. No, no, it's all right. It's all right. <laughs> it's totally. just real bad in my head. I'm like, I don't want to. I don't want to spoil. Okay, okay. Is it my head. mic? Is it? No, 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 no. It's it's, okay. it's it's Zoom did this after like half an hour, forty minutes last time. So don't okay. stress. What I'll do is I'll ask you one last question to wrap this up. Um, yeah. Because you know we've done super well so far. Can so I tell you a quick story. Yeah, go seconds. for it. Go for just it. to relate, just what you did, Mr. Pill. On our very first show we ever played, and yeah. on the very first note that the guitar played, I dropped my pick. <laughs> oh then, my god! I then I was just Emails. like, I was like, Gee! and I just looked down at the picks on the floor, and I was like, shit. And I was doing <laughs> vocals at the same time, so oh, no. I played with my thumb. Like uh, the whole set, I'm uh, not the whole set, sorry, the whole song until the song was yeah, finished yeah. and my thumb was killing me and I was like, fuck. Uh, <laughs> I be... thought that was a funny story. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Just derailed yourself. Yeah. yeah, it's hard. It's so hard to recover from things like that, but. Now I carry extra picks in my pocket must go on. in case that happens again. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yes. Right. So you only learn, right? You yeah, only learn. you learn. That's it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, yeah, so so last question to, to wrap this up, bro. Um, just going off the uh, sort of, I guess you were saying while you write your parts and you you get your beats together, you get your your element of creativity comes into it. Um, is is that sort of how you develop your identity as a drummer on the drum kit? Obviously, it has to work within, as we said, for the song. And you you know, at the end of the day, you're writing to to make the best music possible, not the best drum part. Um, mm -hmm. But sort of how. You know, I I personally see you as a drummer who has a, a somewhat of a unique identity on the kit, and and Thank I you. can sort of tell that you know that's Nick's way of playing, and um, and other drummers have this as well. Uh, so so what sort of ways do you see people finding their identity on an instrument? Full stop. Not just drums. And what's worked mm. for you? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I mean, I haven't. Well, I think when I was younger, I was I was I was really inspired by a bunch of musicians, um, which sort of created the mold of who I am now. I think, um, and these various musicians sort of opened my eyes to like different approaches to things and allowed me to think, okay, I can go there or I can go here. Um, and I feel like I'm almost just like the combination of choices that I noticed these people making and I adapted that to, to what I like, you know. I liked this, this guy doing this and I liked how this guy did this and I sort of took them, took those ideas and then just applied them to my own drumming. And I didn't do this purpose, purpose, purposefully. I just think this happened just because I was inspired by these people. Um, all these bands. Um, so obviously like me learning those songs and, you know, of these various artists when I was younger was like almost the first phase of me becoming me because I was learning how these people approached their parts. Um, and then over time I think I just sort of trusted my intuition when it came to what I, how I should approach something. And this was just based off like what I had learnt was possible from other people, I think. Um, like, this is a long-winded answer. I might 
No, it's all good. It's a bit <laughs> weird, but um, so like in, like you know, the first drummer that I was obsessed with was John Otto from Limp Bizkit, and what I found he taught me was like groove and yeah. like how to just sit in the pocket and play the groove. Take him to the that was really, really bridge. important. Yeah, right? Hype. It's like nothing huge, you know. It's huge. It's huge and it makes you bounce and stuff. And like there's no, there's nothing there that's like overly complicated or complex about it, yet it still evokes these feelings within people. And then um, Steve Judd from Carnival sort of um opened my mind to like a lot of different polyrhythmic ideas that can be played over straight parts. So that's when I started learning how to sort of, you know, limb independence, I guess, when it comes to playing, uh, whether your snare and kick would be in four, but then the right hand is sort of playing in different groupings over the top of that and getting comfortable doing those things. Um, And now I feel like that, that comes out in my playing just in like certain little pockets. I almost use that as like fills sometimes or like just a way to sort of break away from a beat um, subtly and, uh, and and then just being comfortable within these sort of groupings um, as well. And then um, Brandon Morgan, the drummer from Mystery Signals, sort of changed my thought process on how to approach metal drumming in general. Uh, he sort of came at it from a very... I guess jazz sort of approach. It wasn't. It wasn't like traditional, you know, hands yeah. going straight yeah. all the time and just kick pedals. Like he was doing a lot of linear fills, a lot of um, kind interesting of sort of, stuff, and like all yeah, sorts of lots things. of yeah. yeah, totally. And then that that sort of um, really inspired me to sort of go more into that sort of area of drumming where I could learn more chops um, and implement that in a way that on the kit that could be. Um, you know, that could be digestible within metal, yeah. essentially. Um, no, and right. then, you know. No, you're just taking all these influences that you, you've you gotten over the years and, you know, like similarly, I guess we, we all do that it's from the music that we listen to and, Absolutely, and the yeah. people we look up to and, you know, I guess, you know, learning off you, I learn a little bits and pieces I'll take and then other guys I get lessons off and watch stuff. You just pick up things and yeah. and my my upbringing in jazz and that kind of thing makes my playing a certain way and you know your body shape and the way you lay into grooves and all of this and it and the orchestration the way you choose your kit all of this kind of thing it yeah it brings together this this sound as as a drummer or as a musician yeah becomes you and you and you sort of lean into these things that work and that you like and and that kind of stuff absolutely does that that sort of ring true absolutely yeah because you might think like you know, you might be writing something, and and it might, it might make you think, oh wow, this sounds like so much misery signals. Like, how would Brandon Morgan play this sort of section? You know, and even though you're thinking, how has this guy played this? It's actually you that's still yeah. coming up with that, and that person inspired you to think down those parallels, right? Yeah, and that's you. That is you. You've taken you've taken inspiration, but what's coming out and your choices are all you. You've made all those choices, even though it might be inspired by someone else. The outcome is still you. So, I think a lot of time, yeah. How do you, you know, create an identity? I think you just got to follow your instincts, and your instincts are built off your inspirations to an extent, right? 
and trust. You know, you might even have those those black and white sort of thoughts of like, how would this person approach this? And or you might just be like, oh, that oh, I learned this fill from this misery signal song. I'm just going to play this here, and you know, literally, you might steal some idea completely. And maybe you maybe you write the back end of the fill slightly differently, and then all of a sudden you've created it. That is still you. That's still you, right? Um, and it, without you, that would never have been created, whether it was inspired by someone or not. So, yeah. Um, yeah. No, bro. That's that is, yeah. that's perfect. Perfect answer. Um, so yeah, let's let's wrap this up. I know you've got um, a few things to to head into, but. Thank you very much for taking the time out to come and be on the podcast. Um, we really appreciate all of your insight. Um, obviously, we'll chuck some links down below to all of the stuff that you're involved in. Um, but, you know, if there's any budding drummers out there who are keen on a lesson, hit Nick up. And um, I don't know whether you've got any spots left at the moment. but <laughs> I, At the moment, gonna, I do. So, yeah, yeah I know if, you're if a busy to... man. So I want to plug, you know, <laughs> go and get some insight into this man because he's, uh, Thank you, he's a book full of knowledge. So, yeah, once again, really, really appreciate it, man. And uh, we'll My see pleasure. you soon. Thank awesome. you, guys. Thank you. Hell yeah. So that was Nick. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that was a properly brilliant conversation. And, um, you know, yeah. I, I believe we could have spoken for hours and hours and hours to Nick. Yeah. Um, he's got so much to share. And, yeah, like we said, we appreciate him coming on. Might have him back part two in like a year or something. Yeah. I'd love to sort of hear how some of those progressions of thoughts um continue on you know and and looking into all of that stuff about sleep and practice and and things and like there's lots that I've learned in my time with Nick about uh, how to deal with all of these distractions on stage and how to prep yourself um, with all the nerves that come with this kind of uh, you know playing such uh, what's the word playing such like strict music you know you can't really you can't improvise you it's it is what it is you're playing the notes and um I think, you know, I've taken away some really good lessons from Nick in terms of being able to perform those live. So, uh, yeah, it was an awesome episode. Have you got anything that you want to add from what Nick said today? Uh, just if you're not a drummer yourself and you listen to this today like myself, just take away what you can and apply it to the guitar or apply it to your voice for vocals or the bass or even just general life. You know, some, some, you might not even be a musician and you just like this podcast, which would be really cool as well. You know, maybe just take away, if you want to get good at something, you know, don't overcomplicate it, keep at it, um, get good sleep and, you know, keep going, don't quit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Well, um, yeah, we might leave it there, but uh, if you want to support the podcast, uh, go give us a rating somewhere where the podcast is out. Um, drop some comments onto our socials and give us some suggestions who you'd like to see. Um, or, yeah, just share some of the clips around with friends. We really appreciate any help that comes our way in terms of that. As for um, next month's podcast, we'll, we'll be seen as to who that is, but might... Uh, have a few suggestions from you guys and who to bring on. But otherwise, there's a, I want to go into visuals with you, Cam, and maybe Ooh. talk about a, a bit about that. So yeah, something to look forward to anyway. Um, so thanks for listening slash watching, and we'll see you again next time. Bye. Bye.